Welcome to Brain Wellness, the podcast. I'm your host, Mandy MP. Each episode will bring you a new topic or interview related to brain health and wellness as part of my mission to help you on the path to a healthier, happier brain. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Wellness, the podcast. My guest today is Sean Young. Sean is a U.S. Army veteran of 12 and a half years. After medically retiring, Sean was incarcerated and entered into a therapeutic court program in Alaska that helped him achieve sobriety. Upon uh, graduating, Sean began to give back to his recovery community by starting a processing group for veterans who are in or are alumni of the therapeutic courts in Alaska. He also became peer support certified in the state of Alaska. Sean currently lives in West Virginia, where he continues to give back to his recovery community. Sean is also a podcaster and is the host of Sitting with Sean, where he interviews people who are in recovery from mental health and addiction. Welcome, Sean, to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So first off, I always ask uh, for my first question is, what's your story? Uh, why does brain health interest you? And kind of alluded to it in your intro, but I want to expand on that a bit. So uh, I guess brain, like like the way the brain function and, and the way the brain works uh, really has intrigued me since uh, I, I acquired traumatic brain injury in the army. I was mm-hmm. a paratrooper. I, I jumped out of airplanes. Uh, for a living as well as I was deployed four times was close to explosions and uh, multiple concussions traumatic brain injury going through the recovery process of that and really seeing how the brain is structured mm-hmm. how the brain functions and the effects of uh, of concussions over a long time as well as like substance abuse because uh, mm-hmm. so what I do and so uh, I like to to look at things from a scientific standpoint, as well as as from a biopsychosocial standpoint, because uh, the brain, the 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 function of the brain can affect all of that biopsychosocial, mm-hmm. as well as the substance the substance abuse disorder. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So was it after you got out of the military that you started using substances, or was it? No, so uh, I I come from a, a long uh, lineage of alcoholics and addicts. Mm-hmm. My father and my mother were both uh, addicts, alcoholics. My grandparents on both sides. Mm-hmm. Their their you know their mothers, their fathers, all the way down the line. And so it it got to me, and I I thought I could control it because mm-hmm. I didn't understand the science behind it. I didn't understand yeah. the science behind addiction. Um, and so I said, okay, maybe I can just stop, or maybe I can just control how much I drink. And then I I realized quickly that I couldn't, but I didn't want to, Mm -hmm. I was just like, you know what? I'm young. I'm 20, 21 years old. I got this in the bag. I'm fine. And then Mm -hmm. later on in life, I started, you know, uh, diving into some harder things, but I looked at those and I was like, I said, I liked them too much. I don't want to get addicted, but I was already an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I guess the hardest thing that I continued was was marijuana. I smoked after I got out of the army because I was, once again, I was like, I don't want to drink. Mm-hmm. Weed will be the substitute. And uh, it definitely was a substitute, and but it was, it was the wrong kind of substitute. And mm-hmm. so... I stopped smoking because I got a job at the airport after I got out of the army 
and um, I picked up drinking again. And then mm-hmm. drinking led me down a very dark path. Um, mm-hmm. To uh, it wasn't the reason that I got incarcerated, but it was a factor in the reason I got incarcerated. Gotcha. And while I was in jail, I had to look at myself and say, I created all these problems for myself in my life, you know, and so I have to do something about it. And I have to work on becoming the best version of me that I can be. And so here I am. Very good. Very good. So I would assume that you needed some help along the process. Uh, What kind of resources did you need or do you still need as you go through that journey? So, um, when I first got out of, of jail and, and started working on my sobriety, uh, I was I was enrolled in, in a veterans therapeutic court. So it's essentially like if you look around the country, it's like a drug court or a mental health court, any of those, but it's specifically designated for veterans. So gotcha. uh, we go through VA healthcare um, and they're really big advocates for treating not just the substance, but the mental health disorder as Mm -hmm. well. So um, we go through counseling, individual counseling. We go through uh, group counseling, group therapy. Uh, We also go through um, a 12-step program. So whether it be NAAA, Refuge Recovery, we get to pick what we we go through from there. We have weekly checkups. I needed somebody to to hold me accountable and keep me accountable until I could keep myself accountable. And so when I started learning the patterns, you know, I think they say that 21 days of doing the same thing creates a pattern or creates a habit. Mm -hmm. I needed that consistency of doing something for 21 days in order to build that consistency up for myself, where I had a routine when I woke up, Uh, you know, my, my routine looked like wake up, call the UA line to make sure that I did or did not have a UA. And then if I did, I, I went to the UA and then headed to my, my first class and I made sure that I prioritized things that something productive for myself every day Mm -hmm. and really that accountability, holding myself accountable Mm -hmm. or, or having somebody hold me accountable until I could hold myself accountable was very, very uh, beneficial for me because now I'm able to hold myself accountable. Yeah, I'm, I'm able to look at myself and say, okay, I messed up. I need to fix this. Or, you know, whether it's, whether it's something small or something ca- catastrophic, which I haven't had anything really catastrophic happen where I messed it up catastrophically yeah. <laughs> in a long time, but I have those tools and those skills that I learned three years ago yeah. that I have in my bag and that I used. And I, I've had to use them very recently as of December and January and uh, I went through one of the hardest times of my recovery, and I really looked at at the situation, mm-hmm. and, and I said, "I relapse is not a part of of this. Like this, it has no place in the situation. So I need to figure out how I don't get into the mental spot where I am going to end up making a decision that's going to affect my life and affect everybody else's life around me." And so once I got to that point where I started diving into my recovery and, and using the school, the, the tools and the skills I learned mm-hmm. while I was in my early recovery, everything became second nature at that point. And you need that. Um, it's a lot of people try to do it on their own and some people are, are successful that way, but you really need that accountability to, to get you going. Um, and like you said, once you build a habit, it's there, it's just getting that habit in place. Um, and having a variety of addictions makes it difficult for some people to stay on track. 
So it's, um, did you have it written down or, or how did you uh, get through that? So when, when, when the situation happened, essentially, like I stopped and I said, okay, this is, this is really bad. <laughs> I evaluated the situation. I said, this is really bad. This is terrible for me mm-hmm. and my mental state. Um, so I need to figure out what is the best court, what, what worked for me and what didn't work for me. Because if, if I'm doing something that doesn't work for me, it's counterproductive. Yeah. So I, I need to do what worked for me. And so what did work for me? And I started reevaluating those things that worked for me. And I said, I know that talking about things is going to work for me. I know that, that if I reach out to somebody and I say, Hey man, I am really struggling. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to pick up, mm-hmm. but I have to make the right phone calls to the right people at the right time. So I did that. I lived on my phone 24-7 practically sure. uh, in, in, in that situation for about two months. I lived on my phone and, and it was literally like I was done with a conversation with another person, picked it up because I wanted to get different people's perspectives on what sure. was happening and how I could work through these things. Um, I started going to, uh, you know, I was I was going to more frequent AA uh, meetings as well as refuge recovery because I know mm-hmm. that they helped. They I, I try to approach every situation that I'm in that I'm going to learn something from it. Mm-hmm. And so I would go into the meetings with the mindset of I'm going to learn something regardless as if to, I've heard it before. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing was uh, I, I went deep into my spirituality. Uh, that was one of the things that was lacking for me. Not I don't believe in the monotheistic version of God. Whoever does, that's on them. But mm-hmm. I, I started leaning into what I see as my higher power. Mm-hmm. And and said, I this is out of my control and I can't control any of it. So here you go. Take it. Yeah. I don't want it. Yeah. Yep. Whether you're a spiritual person, religious person, whatever, that that ability to hand it over to somebody else is is huge. Um, it takes such a weight off your shoulders so that you don't feel like you have to do it alone because you're not meant to do it alone. No, it's but it's it's scary too, you know. It's the because as humans inherently we want that control. Yeah. We want that 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 ability to look at, at a situation and say, I have control of this whole situation when in reality, the only thing we have control over is how we react to things. Mm-hmm. We don't have control over our emotions or our feelings. Yep. We have control over how we handle that situation. Our responses. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what, as you were learning about how everything works, did you learn about how the, the substances can affect your brain over time? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I did. Um, and I was very grateful to, to understand how they work. Uh, because like I said earlier, it, it attacks the biopsychosocial makeup of the human being. So bio being the biological makeup, the way the brain functions, the the way the body works, and then the, the psycho, the, the way you, you start to think and the way you start to process things and then social being your social surrounding. So it affects every portion of your life. Um, and specific for the brain, mm-hmm. um, it starts to to eat away at, at a lot of, of the brain cells in your brain, depending on what you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts to induce, uh, there, there's a lot of alcoholics and addicts that uh, suffer from schizophrenia, mm-hmm. and it's alcohol-induced schizophrenia, mm-hmm. um, as well as... Um, as well as, you know, hearing voices and, and seeing things that hallucinations mm-hmm. that aren't there. Yeah. Um, and, and in some cases it can, it, you know, it can actually kill the brain. Yeah. Absolutely. Just, just boom, kill the brain, you're a vegetable. Yeah. Um, and, and I've seen that I, I've seen every phase of it and it's not pretty at all. Right. Yeah. As a provider, I can't say how many times I've gotten consults on patients who 
they now have problems with their cognition, their thinking process, their memory. Uh, they start having hallucinations. They start having different behavior problems. And we get asked to come in and say, is there a neurological problem? And one of my first questions to people is, do you drink? Did you drink? How long? How much? And because that absolutely does have a long-term effect on the brain. It starts to de deteriorate the center part of the brain where people start having balance issues and falling over. And once it gets to those points, it's really difficult to make any kind of improvement. And um, I, I've had uh, different providers then ask me, well, how long is it going to take for somebody to improve? And honestly, it's there's no guarantee that people will get get better. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think one of the things like being from the patient standpoint mm -hmm. is is when I would get that question of uh, do you drink? Mm -hmm. I used to be shameful, foolish. Yeah. And I'd say, no, uh, I don't drink. Okay, well, when was your last drink? Yeah. <sighs> okay. And so, but now I'm able to look at that and if, and, and a doctor says, you know, do you drink? I'm, no, don't. And they're like, well, when was your last drink? December 27, 2019. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful feeling to have to, to feel free and feel mm -hmm. freedom from, from the bonds of addiction. But mm -hmm. getting back to what you said, uh, it, it absolutely destroys the memory. That was one of the things I didn't realize coupled with my traumatic brain injury, you know, yeah. with the memory is I had, I was, I was drinking and, and yeah. it, you know, the, it, it also attacks the cognitive response time that you have. Uh, it, it also attacks your, your reaction time. Mm -hmm. and, and all of those things that I was suffering from was the traumatic brain injury and the addiction. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually going to be my next question. How, how did all those TBIs affect you? Because even just having multiple TBIs without having addiction on top of it, it's when you stack them on top of each other, that can have long-term effects on the brain. And then when you add something more, it's did you find that made your recovery more difficult? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, I had periods where I was, I was sober and then periods where I wasn't, uh, where I'd relapsed. And when I started going through my treatment, I was sober. I hadn't drinking, but, mm -hmm. uh, the effects of the alcohol were there because I didn't have, they, they say that, that the effects from alcohol stay in your system for at least two years, which is mm -hmm. why they call anything prior to two years, early recovery. Sure. And so, um, I, I, I would notice that like I had, you know, my symptoms were uh, a lack of memory, like just mm -hmm. short term, long term were gone. Um, I had a lot of vision problems. Um, I would have like hazy vision and coupled with uh, headaches, it would start up here and then come back here into the muscles. Um, and then my emotional range was all over the place. I didn't know how to regulate you know, one moment I was happy, one moment I was sad, I was angry. And it was just this flood of emotions that I couldn't understand where they were coming from. And then um, on top of that, just my decision-making in general was not there. Sure. was not there at all. Um, so that made it hard. Once I started working on everything at, all, at one time, like I'm not a person that I like to just say, okay, one step at a time. <laughs> That's the addictive yeah. You know, that's the addictive personality. I'm like, we got to yeah. do it all at one time. Let's tackle this and get it over with. Yeah. I was doing everything at, at, at one time when I was in the army, I would, I spent probably six hours at the hospital a day. 
just going through different forms of therapy, speech therapy. Yeah. It attacked my speech too. I, I was stumbling, you know, stuttering over my words. Uh, I couldn't formulate sentences. It was hard. It was hard to com- like, it's frustrating enough, like with your memory, but then yeah. like, I cannot communicate effectively because I can't talk. Yeah. That was hard. Yeah. So I was doing speech therapy. I was doing occupational therapy. So a lot of hand-eye coordination. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was doing a lot of, um, I was doing some sleep studies. My sleep wasn't there at all. I was, I I was suffering from insomnia. My brain wouldn't shut off. It was terrible. Um, But I was doing like, I was doing counseling and stuff like that. And it it just, it, it, it got crazy. It it got mad, you know, maddening to the point where like I was overdoing myself, but I thought I was doing something myself, a good deed. I was like, Mm -hmm. you're taking care of yourself, but really I was just damaging myself over and over and over again. Yeah. When, when did you start seeing improvements as you were? Um, actually through the TBI, I started seeing improvements when I got into music therapy. Hmm. Um, and I started doing music therapy, um, uh, kind of, and it's, it's going to sound terrible as a joke. Yeah. Uh, the clinic I was in said, Hey, we've got this new program, music therapy. Would you like to try it? And I'm like, what are we going to do? Sit in a room, listen to some music and talk about how we feel based off the music. They're like, well, we don't know. And I said, okay, whatever. I like music. Yeah. And I got in there and my music therapist is like, go get a ukulele. And I said, uh, what? I don't know how to play a ukulele. And she said, go get a ukulele. I'll teach you. And started, I started playing ukulele and then it transitioned to guitar and then transitioned to drums. And I was writing my own music and, and recording with some friends of mine like I got really inspired and so that's when it started uh really kicking off but it wasn't right away right so like uh I don't know if any anybody knows what music therapy does but music you know the arts in general mm-hmm. help create new neural pathways in your brain to help memory and yeah. so that's that's what it was doing for me it was creating these new neural pathways in my brain where I was like I pick up a guitar and I'm like oh goodness all these frets like what is this note now I can put an A minor on an E minor on I can you know I can play but it also comes with practice it's yeah. not just it's not just you look at a guitar and it's magically gonna yeah. happen <laughs> right it's basically like learning another language exactly yeah and as we look at, at the functional parts of the brain it actually is in a separate area so I'll have people who have brain injury and they can still sing but they can't speak a full sentence because yeah. it is a different part of the brain and that is a beautiful sight. I've seen that too. Mm-hmm. That is a beautiful sight to see somebody be able to sing that cannot speak. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But uh, it wasn't right away. Um, so I was still suffering from a lot of cognitive dissonance and like a lot of just things going on in my brain that I just couldn't understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a suicide attempt in that time. And then when I got out of that, I realized I needed to prioritize taking care of myself not just on the surface, but everything. Yeah. And so after I did that, I started to become better. I started to become more happy, more, and I felt more healthy. I was like, I'm going to go back to the gym, you know, because that helps out with the mental health a lot. But then when Mm -hmm. the addiction, when, when I relapsed and I got back into the addiction, everything that I was suffering from before came back in a wave. And it was just, it it was insane, maddening. And it was like it was like I had cut a time frame, uh, a year time out of this timeline of mine, and I just continued this this mm-hmm. these these consequences of 
of being in the army, but I was using a substance. Sure. And so it wasn't until probably about two years after I got sober because of, you know, all the, the effects coming out of my body that I was actually able to start um, opening up and talking about how I felt like my memory was there. Um, I can remember things in vivid detail now, which I never had been able to before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to articulate the way that I, the, the way I feel, and I'm able to identify the underlying problems. Um, my, my emotional responses are there. Every, like, it's like my brain never was touched before. Sure. It's beautiful. Sure. And you have a podcast and you can speak yeah. all the time doing this. So yeah. yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I, I, you know, I kind of always wanted to do podcasting and a friend of mine invited me on one of his and I was like, I just had so much fun, man. And he's like, start your own. Yeah. And yeah. so that's where, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Almost Very a year cool. later. That's kind of how I got into it too. I was on another podcast and absolutely loved it. So that's funny. Um, uh, what are you doing now? So you, you've made all these amazing, uh, recovery steps. What are you doing now to keep your brain healthy? Oh man, I'm, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to feed my, myself with a lot of positivity, right? Uh, I, I, I absolutely refrain from getting hit in the head. If, if I know, if I know that it's going to cause me damage, uh, I kind of do damage control and I'm like, that's not smart. Yeah. Like for instance, earlier or later last year, I was like, oh man, I want to get a BMX bike. Cause I used to BMX as a teenager and I just, I want to rediscover all these things. And I was like, but I watch a lot of fail army on YouTube and yeah. there you can mess yourself up. And I'm not, I'm, I'm 35, almost 35 years old. I have yeah. no business being on a BMX bike in a ramp <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> like, like, let's be real here. So, so I'm, I'm avoiding dangerous situations. I mean, obviously you can get hurt in any scenario. You can trip walking down the sidewalk, right? but I try and eliminate the stupid stuff that I I could do from my, my, my life or my decision-making. Um, I also do a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga, um, meditation helps me a lot, Mm -hmm. a a ton, not just not, you know, it, it helps with the brain function, but it, depending on the kind of meditation you do, it, it helps with your, the spiritual side of you. It also helps out with alleviating some of the pain in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm on a diet and I'm feeding myself healthy things. I, I mean, you see me drinking a monster. <laughs> <laughs> doc, doc, don't, don't. We're, we're, we're not infallible. Caffeine. It's all good. I do it every once in a while too. So yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I have, one of these every few days, but I, I try and drink coffee. I yeah. drink a ton of water. Um, I, I try to refrain from soda unless like I go out to a restaurant and I'm eating. Um, okay. but, um, I also try to put things in my brain, like, like music and stuff in my brain that I know are going to be beneficial to me. Right. Yeah. So like, so like I love metal. I'm a metal head. I love metal, but I know that I can't listen to metal all the time because it's going to put my brain in this, in a place where it's like, ah, all the, all the time. <laughs> so I have to, he, I have to feed it healthy things. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think lastly, I, I just surround myself with, with positivity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, cause, cause if you surround yourself with positivity, you will in turn start to be positive and you'll yeah. start to, to exuberate that positivity and, and just that, that 
that love for humanity and that love for nature and love for everything. Yeah. And I'm back in my hometown and I love it. <laughs> that helps too. That absolutely helps. Yeah. So um, being a music lover with that, uh, have you heard of 8D music? No. Oh, I was just introduced to that recently. And especially if you're feeling, if you're feeling like you're kind of, and you you need to decrease the, the static in your body, decrease the stress, whatever uh, it's, it's a form of music that kind of uses all your senses and it travels from one side to the other. So it works really well if you've got ear pods in or headphones and you can listen and it literally shifts the music from one side to the other. And it's almost like a musical meditation. Wow. And um, you can find it pretty much anywhere now. So I pull up, I have a playlist on my phone now for my, my 8D music for when I'm really, really stressing and I can listen to that and it just calms because it's, it's like waves of the ocean with music. Nice. I listen to a lot of ASMR um but uh there's certain ones i don't like like the people that just i I like like words of affirmation right so um there's there's a creator on tiktok that i ended up watching on youtube and she's amazing and she talks through things and she feeds words of affirmation and that's amazing you know it just doesn't help your mental health out it it also helps your brain out yeah and it helps feed you that that thing like i am worthy of of love i'm worthy of peace i mean like You know, as a society, I don't think that we all feel we're worthy of love. So feeding those, but feeding ourselves those words of affirmation are amazing. Yeah. Yep. It's absolutely necessary. Um, If any self-help book you pick up these days, it always talks about that, that self-affirmation stuff, because we do, we're our own worst critics. We are so hard on ourselves. The things we say to ourselves, we wouldn't even think to say to other people because they're not kind. Um. So we do need to be kinder to our brains and those kind of things are fabulous for that. So I, I, I absolutely detest when people say I'm stupid. Yeah. I'm, I'm an idiot. It's yeah. like you, you weren't stupid at work. Right. When you were performing your job, you weren't stupid when you're driving down the road and you were safe or when you were taking mm-hmm. care of your children. So why are you, why do you feel the need to call yourself stupid yeah. when you make a mistake? It's a mistake we all make them. Yep. We are human. Imagine, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have uh, one or two tips you would give to our listeners if they were in similar situations that they can start doing now? Absolutely. So if you are suffering from uh, a traumatic brain injury, a concussion, get yourself checked out, get an evaluation done um, because prolonging it makes the, makes the symptoms worse. Um, also if you are suffering from addiction, just know that, uh, that the substance that you are using, uh, they can have a lasting effect on your brain and it can, it it can do a lot of terrible things to your brain. So start getting into a program, get into, uh, the rooms of a 12 step program and start working on that because the faster you get sober, the faster you get clean is the faster your recovery time will start to to happen for you and get duly diagnosed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think I can put it any, any better than that. That was good. Very good. Uh, what kind of projects are you up to that you want to share with our listeners? Oh man. So my podcast, uh, I like, like you, you mentioned earlier, I, I, I interview people that uh, have been in recovery from addiction or mental health disorders or are providers uh, for for both. Um, and I get their perspective uh, of what their story was like. You know, 
how they how they got you know i i put it like this what happened uh or or how how was how it was so how is it in your active addiction your mental health crisis uh, what happened that that led you to that aha moment that I need help? And what is it like now? Because there's three clear phases in your life uh, that you have to go through to get to to where you are now. And on the back end, um, you know, like, you know, like, like you had uh, words of advice, suggestions for people. And then I have another that that one's called Recover Out Loud. Uh, the second project I'm doing is called Extraordinary. And it's just normal, everyday people that are cool, doing cool stuff with their life, you know, because uh, there's people that we call normies. <laughs> and and those those normal people um, just kind of live the day to day life and they don't get the credit that they deserve for for doing a good job. Uh, you know, I've I've had friends that that do cosplay and, and he's a, a, a yoga instructor now and he helps people recover from, you know, physical injuries and men and mental injuries, moral injuries. Um, I've interviewed uh, a author that had a book turned to a movie and mm-hmm. that was a dream interview for me. Yeah. It, it was pretty awesome. And then um, I interviewed a stuntman and uh, a veteran who's a music, uh, a music artist now um, out in Nashville. And, and so I, I think that there's, that there's something that we are missing and humankind and i'm trying to connect that and that is the human connection mm-hmm. hearing people's stories i love resilience i love seeing you know uh that life happened then there was a nexus and now we are where we're supposed to be mm-hmm. and so that's what that's what I, I like to see and and so i really try to highlight those people that are in recovery uh or providers or family members of people in recovery and then uh, highlight, you know, just humans that are doing human things yeah. and being great human beings, um, because I feel like we don't do that enough for each other. Agreed. Agreed. I like hearing the stories when people do nice things. Yeah. yeah. So every once in a while on the news channels, they'll end it out with, with something that's good in the world. And I think if we did more of that, we would see more of it. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much negativity out there. I was, was at a go- grocery store. I mean, I got a big beard, right? So yeah. like naturally people look at me and they're like, oh, you're scary. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm like one of the nicest people you ever yeah. met. Yeah. <laughs> people look at a big beard and they're like, oh, scary. And so mm-hmm. I try and change the, di- the dynamic for them. I'm like, hey, how's your morning going? How are you feeling? Because nobody asks, how are you feeling? That's how yeah. are you doing? How are you feeling? And then normally that person will go from really closed up to really opened up like, oh, I had a terrible morning this morning. And here's why I had a great morning. And then I ended with don't work too hard. Yeah. Because you leave no room for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. See, I grew up with a dad with a beard, so I don't find beards scary. (laughs) (laughs) I have the biggest beard I know. (laughs) It is, it is remarkable. I'll give you that good, good word there. Um, so those are all amazing things you're doing. They're so much needed. Um, thank you for doing all that. Uh, how, how can people find you if they want to learn about your shows? Uh, you can go to Apple, Spotify, or YouTube, uh, under sitting with Sean. Um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, at sitting with Sean. I have, I have a whole podcast page dedicated to the podcast. Um, with updated links every if you just want to see a specific one don't want to watch all of them that's fine um 
and I'm not really active on Instagram, but I mean, I'm trying to be yeah. <laughs> just being real. Yeah. Um, and then on TikTok, um, I am the beard of West Virginia. Nice. So yeah, you can find me on TikTok as the beard of West Virginia. Very cool. I will include all those in the show notes so people can find you easily. Thank you. Very good. Um, thank you so much for your time today. I do want to be respectful and, and uh, not take you on here too long, but are there any last words of advice you want to share with our listeners as we close out? Just be kind. It costs nothing to be kind to people. Um, you know, uh, inspire somebody. Be inspirational. Uh, and, and and finally, you know, love yourself because you can't receive love until you love yourself. And that was a hard lesson I had to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah very good words um perfect ending thanks so much sean thank you have a great day thanks for tuning in to this episode of brain wellness the podcast if you enjoyed this episode i encourage you to subscribe like and share this with others to help me continue on with my mission to help people live healthier happier lives go to www.brainwellnesssolutions.com to see what I'm up to and get links to all the social medias there. See you next time.